and welcome to the Holistic Mindset Podcast. I am your host, Karen. I am a registered nurse who decided to make a bigger impact through health and mindset coaching. Here on this podcast, we'll be talking about all things mind, body, and manifestation. So let's get right into it. been back home the last couple of days now from my Bali trip which was so much fun we probably booked way too much stuff we saw and experienced so many things that Bali has to offer within our five days and honestly I need a holiday for my holiday like that's how jam-packed it was but it was so beautiful so many great memories and experiences and yeah so well deserved honestly like the last couple of years both my partner and I have gone through a house buying and house renovating journey which has been a lot and my partner had started going out on his own in his business last year as well and getting employees and really growing that and me now starting my business this last six months we've been hustling I don't like to use the word hustling, but damn, we've been hustling for many years to really kind of build that life that we want for ourselves and to really, you know, sacrifice for that long-term gratification of, you know, owning a property and building a business for ourselves. And yeah, it's the first time we've actually traveled overseas since the pandemic and done something together and put that money aside to really treat ourselves because, I mean, we've done weekends away, but... This is the first time we've properly gone like, nope, we need to have a break. We need to go and have some fun because we had been lacking that because of this phase of life that we're both in. So yeah, so much fun, so many funny memories. And yeah, I'm just really glad we did it, even though we're still in our renovating journey and things are the costly things I've been coming up. I'm glad that we had already planned this in advance because this is yeah really well deserved so I definitely enjoyed every moment but I wanted to like dedicate this episode to just different like mindset shifts and perspectives that I've really made now since going to Bali and you know visiting a third world country and chatting with the Balinese people about what their lives are like and it's deeply humbled me and has made me feel so much more grateful for my circumstances and also just I don't know just like that real human to human connection of like having different backgrounds having different like stories but still being able to like have a conversation and connect and be human to human it was just really beautiful these like brief moments that I had experienced and yeah that's something I really want to dive in with you guys so let's get right into it so I don't know if you guys have been to Bali or just like been to a third world country before. This was my second time in Bali, but I've also been to Thailand as well too, which is also classed as a third world country. And I, even though I had been there before, it's obviously been a numerous amount of years because of COVID since I'd actually been there. So going to Bali the second time had really solidified a lot of things for me and reminded me of how how 
privileged is the only word that really comes to mind. How bloody privileged we are to be one just like living in Australia and have the um, accessibility and resources that we do here being a first world country. And I guess the main thing is just if you haven't been to Bali, third world country, anything like that, just like water, you have to buy water. You literally will get sick if you drink the tap water. It's only okay for like having showers, the toilet, all of that stuff. But like you literally can't even brush your teeth with the tap water because it could make you sick. And I mean, I don't know the scientific reason as to why, but like their water is not safe to drink. And it was the same in Thailand when I visited there many years ago. And just like the idea of that was just like, fuck, could you just imagine not being able to turn a tap on and drink the water or just use it to brush your teeth without then the risk of you getting sick like they literally don't have fresh water accessible for them they have to go buy it or like buy huge bottles and bulks of it and that is just first of all the one thing you will know when you go there and i just can't believe that something so simple as just having like fresh running water come through your tap Yes, we've got to pay our water bills, but like it's free essentially, right? Like we can always have access to like free running fresh water. Like does that just not blow your mind that these people in third world countries, which by the way, make up majority of our population, right? Like us first worlders and us Westerners who are very fortunate to you know have this accessibility is a very small percentage of the entire world's population right and then even just food like there unless i just couldn't see it anywhere there is no such thing as a Woolworths, a coles iga you know somewhere to duck down to get some fresh chicken get some fresh fruit and vegetables not a thing right not a thing they've got uh, like little like quickie mart sort of things like 7-elevens on every single corner and that's where they buy their water and they buy some food you know all the things that 7-eleven would normally sell like that is the only thing that I could ever see that was accessible and that was the same in Thailand as well like there was no like store you could walk down to and get fresh food you know get meat um, just like get things for your kitchen like I assume, and again, I never saw this, but I assume they would have to either farm it themselves or, you know, have someone in their village who farms those specific things to share with and buy off, or they have to travel to a local market and hope someone sells the thing that they need or just get, I assume they probably just get whatever they can in that moment to feed themselves and feed their family. Like, I don't think they walk down to the local market and go, hmm, I wonder what I'm going to cook myself for dinner this week. They're literally just eating to survive and whatever they can grab to support themselves and support their family is the best thing they can do. Like, I'm not saying that they are living on rations, even though probably some of them are. Like, they don't have the luxury of knowing food is always going to be there, right? Or there's always going to be enough food. Are they even going to have enough money to buy the food that they need in these markets, right? Like we just think, oh yeah, Woolies, Coles will drive 10 minutes or 15 minutes max nowadays if you live in the suburbs. It takes to get to a Woolworths, Coles, IGA, something like that, right? And then we can just walk in and buy whatever the fuck we want. 
right? It's almost always there. And if not, we can just drive 10, 15 minutes to another local store and buy the thing we need. We always have choice, the luxury of choice for food and the luxury of knowing it's always going to be there and it's always accessible for us, right? Even if we don't ever have the money for it, there's always something there that we can buy and know that will feed us, right? Or, and I won't get too deep into it, our government has a Centrelink like process, right? Where if you are really struggling, you can get Centrelink payments to support you so you can feed yourself and feed your family. Like we have that backup plan, right? We have that support from our government majority of the time, right? These people don't have that. If they have no money, they just don't eat, right? They are like literally living in survival mode all the time of like, how am I going to get fresh water and how am I going to get fresh food to feed myself and feed my family? Like that is probably on the forefront of their mind all of the time. And they're never going to know like when that's going to be. Like, could you imagine just not being able to go down to Woolworths or Coles and buy yourself something? Like I can't even fathom that. Like the stress that would put on you, right? And that's all of these people have. And that's their whole lives and that's just normal for them, right? I think that when we are fortunate enough to be born in a Western society or a first or second world country, we have that luxury of generally of food and water, right? But these, it's like a most second and all of third world countries don't have that. And as I said earlier, that makes up more of the population than us first world or Westerners. Like, can you just let that seep in for a minute? And the only reason why I mentioned something so basic as just being so appreciative and fortunate for your fresh food and fresh water is because it is just these simple things that we're like, oh yeah, that's just a normal thing. That's just an everyday thing. But that is not a normal and everyday thing to the majority of the population, right? Same with shelter. The amount of people I saw sleeping in like what would barely be like a functional shelter was like ridiculous. Like people living and sleeping on construction sites that have like a roof over it, but it's like half demolished or living in these tiny little like village hut things as well with like their entire family in them. And when I would talk with some of the Balinese people and our tour guides, they would say that their entire family lives with them in small villages so then they can support each other. So they are living in tiny, small houses and or not even in a house at all, right? That means no aircon. No, majority of them probably don't even have electricity, Wi-Fi, right? Like, can you just imagine living a life where fresh water is not on tap you can't go down to a local store and get fresh food and you may not even be living in a fully sustained like house where you actually have your own space like we take these such simple things for granted and when i had seen all of these or heard them from other balinese people who were um, chatting with us during our trip i was just like well far out like we yes I'm not saying that it takes away from our struggles of how much inflation is how much food is nowadays how much water our water bills are 
you know, the rental crisis, the house buying crisis, like all of these things are shit, I agree. But when you're fresh from being exposed to what majority of the population is like and how they live, you're like, fuck, all right, I might have to pay an extra $100 a week for my rent or my groceries or whatever it may be. But damn, at least I can have that. At least I'm privileged enough to have that as an option, right? To have that for myself. Because a thing that I really took away from as well is that like our worst case scenario as first worlders would be a third worlders best case scenario. Like we're out here complaining about how much food is costing and how much rent is costing and houses are worth. But majority of us can still actually afford it. Majority of us can find a way to still have those things for ourselves, right? But we complain because we're like, oh, well, it's so expensive. Like, that's so shit. Like, this is horrible. But like a third worlder would be like, holy fuck, you actually get food like from a store? Like you actually have access to that? Or like, oh my God, you actually can like live an entire house like by yourself or with one other person and not be squished in a hut with your whole family? Like, I think we need to just shift our perspective a little bit to really know that we are super privileged. Even when things look shit, we should still be so grateful just for these small everyday things of having running water, having the accessibility to fresh food, always having a shelter over our heads majority of the time. Like, I know it's not a fantastic option, but you could always go back and live with your family. That is always a backup option for you. If things don't work out with you buying a house or renting, you always have a safety net, right? These people don't have a safety net. If they don't have any of these things, they suffer. Their whole family suffers. There are no backup plans. There are no safety nets that we have here, whether it's through the government, through our parents, through just other support uh, companies as well that are always there to help you when you're in those dire needs. Like they don't have that over there. If you are tuning into this podcast episode, then you're the kind of person who really wants to create change and create abundance in your life. If this sounds like you, then keep listening because I am opening up more one-on-one coaching spots with me to really help expand you and create that dream life that you desire through aligned action, manifestation tools, and deep inner work where we can break down all of those limiting beliefs that have been holding you back in the past. So if you are sick of living a mediocre life and feeling that you're unable to step into your full potential, then follow the link in my show notes below where you can apply for one-on-one coaching with me. I hope to see you in there. It's just really crazy to think that that is how their lives are and that is the normal. It is normal for them to have all of that. Now, I know that I've been going on about this for a while, but it was just those simple things. I was like, holy shit. Like when you're in those countries, you feel, you really feel your privilege. You really feel like, wow, I'm just like a rich, privileged white person right now. Because it, it was so humbling and 
my partner and I, we would always be like giving tips. We would always be expressing our gratitude and appreciation for anyone and everyone who was serving us and talking to us. Like when we were, there was a time where we paid to get a chef cook in our villa for breakfast one morning. And my partner and I were like swimming in the pool while the chef was cooking for us. And we were like, this feels so wrong. <laughs> like, I feel like we're taking advantage of like this person cooking for us and paying like $20 for it. Like that's how much it cost. Actually, no, I like it was $12.50 per meal for an in-house chef to cook in our villa. Like it was, we were like, oh, this is awesome. But like, oh, I, we need to pay him more than this because this feels wrong. And even when we were like paying to get massages and like oh, just stuff like that, like, oh, this is awesome. But like these people are really slaving away for such little money. And I think I even uh, quickly Googled that 80, no, actually it was the tour guide told us that 80% of the jobs in Bali are tourist based. So 80% of people rely on tourists to pay for their like livelihood. And I was talking to one of them who had said that during the pandemic, it was extremely rough and they were struggling so much because they couldn't make money, right? And they had to do like really laborious, horrible jobs in order to get money because tourism wasn't a thing for like two and a bit years. And just like how, and they were expressing like how grateful they were now that tourism is like back on the map and you can't actually go visit places now that they're so thankful that tourists are coming back so then they can actually live and support themselves, support their family. I think I worked out that the average wage for like a tourist guide was 10 grand a year. 10 grand a year. And it was like five to $10 an hour. Like this is Australian, obviously. Five to $10 an hour was the average wage for a tourist guide in Bali. Like when I found that out, we tipped our tour guide who took us out for like 10 hours in Ubud to see the uh, rice fields, the monkey forest. Like he was so lovely. He was like probably in his late 60s. I kid you not, late 60s, someone who should be retired, still working long as hours. And we worked out he was getting paid five to 10 Australian dollars an hour. And he drove two hours from his village to pick us up in Semenyak, take us to Ubud, take us back and then drive two hours. And our entire tour was like a nine hour tour. And when my partner and I found that out, we were like, holy shit, this guy has helped us out so much done and told us and shared the um, Hindu religion and what the temple meanings are and told us all these awesome like facts about Bali and was like really so nice and so lovely and so humbled and he was getting fuck all for all of the work he was doing so yeah my partner and I decided to tip him 80 Australian dollars for like all of his hard work because we were like that is ridiculous how little you're getting paid right now and we did small things like that throughout our trip because we 
had come to the realization like yes we complain about money and say oh we never have enough money or we have to pay for this huge thing for the house and like oh this bill's come up but like at the end of the day we are still on that small percentage of the richest people in the world again when you compare it to the majority of the population we're like in the top like five or ten percent or something richest people in the world just because we were born in a first world country And my partner and I do always have money. Even when we complain about bills and all of those things, at the end of the day, we always have money. Or we always have someone in our family who can support us if we need to. So we were just so deeply humbled that these people were working so hard for shit all. And yet they're still in such good spirits and still hold their religion and their family values so strongly They are so content and so happy. Like all the ones that I encountered were so happy and content and just like wanted to give and serve and share things with us. And it was so beautiful to think like, how are these people so like happy, (laughs) even though this is their life. And that's another thing too, is like, it doesn't matter about your circumstances. It's how are you holding yourself during them, right? What is your mindset like around them? These people, this is all that they know. Might look shit to us, but that's just normal for them, right? So family is a huge thing. Religion is a huge thing. You know, having their festivals, you know, worshipping in their temples, doing all those things, like that's what keeps them going and what keeps them content. (laughs) I literally... So one of our other... um, tour guide so we went water rafting which was so fucking fun it was so fun going water rafting and the the guy who was um our guide and doing the water rafting with us and guiding us through he was so nice so nice and so funny i really wish i remembered his name because i want to give him an amazing review but anyways we were chatting with him and he's like the most funniest light-hearted person and he was talking and he's like yeah and we got to find out that he had like kids and he had a wife and we were talking and he's like yeah I've got like two young kids um and then we're like oh like whereabouts in Bali do you live and he's like oh I live uh I live like on the volcano like near the volcano and we're like what he's like yeah my village is 13 kilometers from the volcano and we're like oh shit and he's like yeah my wife is pregnant and she's in our village and while I come to work by the way the work where the rafting was two hours away also so this guy's leaving his village leaving his pregnant wife and two young kids to drive two hours every day to do the water rafting tour and drive back and he was saying in such like a light-hearted way which was what we were really confused about he's like why is he being so oddly positive about this he's like yeah my wife she's pregnant and I I fear every day I leave for work that something's gonna happen and a volcano is gonna erupt and like the lava will land on my village and we were like oh shit and he's like yeah the last eruption um destroyed all the villages up to 12 kilometers but my village was 13 kilometers so we were fine and my partner and I were looking at each other like why why is he like smiling when he says these things? Like it was just, 
he was like, yeah, that's where my village is. Yeah, the other ones got destroyed by the volcanic eruption. But yeah, it's fine. I'm, I just had to leave my wife there, which is a bit scary in case it erupts again. But what do you do? And yeah, my partner and I were just baffled. I was like, this guy drives two hours away from his village, leaves his young kids and pregnant wife 13 kilometers away from an active volcano. And every day he fears that the lava is going to reach that extra kilometer next time and destroy his whole village and like his family. And we were like, fuck me. (laughs) Could you imagine going to work every day with the fear in the back of your mind that a volcanic eruption could literally destroy your entire home and family? Like, how insane is that? I was like, could you imagine? Could you imagine trying to, like, go to work? Could you? He's even like, oh, sometimes I can't sleep and I go check outside to make sure that there's not an eruption happening. And I was like, in my head, like, holy shit, this guy is an absolute just, in, <laughs> it's just insane. But that's the normal right? That's the normal. That's where your village is. What can you do? You don't just get up and move villages. I don't think that's how it works, right? Like that's where he's born. That's where his family was. And that's where his village is. And that's now where his family is, regardless if it's freaking 13 kilometers from a volcano that is active. But yeah, that literally just blew my mind when he was telling us this. And I'm not sure if it was the language barrier or what, but he did not seem like it was a big deal. He was talking to us as if that's just the normal, like, ah, oh, this sucks that I have this. And we're like, that's proper messed up that you have to deal with that. Like, that is your life of always having that fear, that survival kind of fear in the back of your head of like, I might need to like deal with the volcano erupting in my, like in hurting my family in my village. Like, I just can't. And I mean, it was all of these conversations that we've had with our tour guides and other Balinese people about their life and their experiences and how COVID was so detrimental to them for their income. And it's just made me think like, far out, we are so lucky to be able to like easily get a job. Maybe not a job you love, but like we always can just go and seek and apply for a job and go get some income. We can always go and apply for Centrelink. We can always ask family or friends, guardians, anyone to support us if we absolutely needed to. Like we are so privileged to have been born in this country, you know, to have all of those resources I mentioned before. And yet we still have such trouble with being truly grateful and really knowing how privileged and lucky we are to be living the lives that we do. And I know this has been a very well-winded episode, but I just needed to like get out all of these conversations and perspectives I've had because at the end of the day, it's like, where can you now start to be like super grateful for your circumstances? And even when things look like shit, just go, oh, you know what? This is shit, but I'm so lucky I at least have this and this, right? There's always something that you can be grateful for and that's going to really shift your energy to be more humbled, more grounded, you know, really practice that like uh, feminine energy, right? Of being really grounded and present and appreciative of where you are. And I think we just need to understand how bloody lucky we are 
right? To be living these lives, to be born in a first world country and, you know, have the accessibility and experiences that we do, right? So where can you start to be more grateful in your everyday life for such simple things? Write up a gratitude list every day, every second day. Do it on your phone if you are time poor, right? Just say, I am so grateful that I get to live in this house. I am so grateful that I have a shelter over my head. I am so grateful that I have fresh running water whenever I need it, right? I'm so grateful I can stand outside and feel the sun on my skin. Such small, simple things that you could be so grateful for and it will really change your mindset, change your perspective, get you out of this victim mentality of like, but this is happening to me and this is shit and this is happening to me and my life sucks. It's like, well, if you're going to compare it to how everyone else is in the world, right? The majority of the population, your life isn't really that shit. Yes, it's a shit circumstance. It's not a shit life, right? Where can you start to make these shifts and not fall into a victim mentality and just be super damn grateful and happy with what you have and how lucky you are to be living this life that you do. So those were the main things I've really taken away. Now, since being back, when things pop up and there's bills and there's shit wrong with upstairs that we've got to pay money for, I'm like, you know what? How freaking cool is it that we own a house? Like, I don't think any Balinese people actually own their house, right? Like, I just, I'm just seeing things so differently now. And I really hope that this episode has helped you or, you know, just opened your eyes a little bit more about like how lucky we are and where you can start to be more grateful and kind of understanding of our privilege and our circumstances in life. so much for spending your time with me to learn and grow on this podcast episode if you loved this episode please go ahead and give it a good rating and review and share it on your socials so it can help to impact others also come and join me on my instagram my link is in the show notes I have so much more self-development knowledge that I can share with you and I'd love to connect with each and every one of you Enjoy the rest of your week and remember, speak kind words to yourself and others. I'll see you next week.